Okay. Good, good. I was afraid he was going to start crying. <laughs> and then never get back up here. He's just like, I have to kind of get Terry's down here. We'd have to haul him out the side. And it'd be nasty, but anyways, I'm the one that gets to finish this series, and so um, we are in Psalm 119. And I'll be, we're going to look at the last eight verses of this um, psalm, but I can't really um, go over what's already been taught because the way the Holy Spirit has set this up and the teaching that he's done and everything has been fabulous. And these men that have come up here and have done the teaching, it's just been so wonderful i can't even possibly reiterate what they've spoke on or how they've done this and and i was trying praying about how to to set this up because we wanted to complete out the book as or this chapter as you know and i wanted it be you know according to how the spirit um you know had set it all up and everything and so um, God laid it on me to to just take a verse from each one of the eight verses that you know of each letter, and we would just you know kind of key on those different verses that, and that way I'm not we'll just touch on what each portion talked about, but not to reiterate what these men have done because there's just been wonderful wonderful teaching here, and so um if you haven't got had the opportunity to hear them all please do that they're on the web you can get, go on the website and they're on the uh podcast and you can listen to them on a computer or your phone or anything you know you can plug them into just about anything nowadays you know and um you know uh so you know it, it it's just been some wonderful wonderful teaching and so you know don't um don't miss out on this because it's just been um wonderful the the uh, way god has moved so let's pray and then we will tear this up for the last time oh gracious heavenly father lord we just uh glorify you right now lord we thank you lord that uh you just um you move and touch the way that you do father the way that you've used each and every one of these men in this in this teaching father to just bring about this the your word and and to be moved by your spirit and to bring a teaching father that's just been unsurpassed we ask that you'll continue to move here tonight that you just open us up that would be receptive and ready for your word father and that as we complete this the teachings that have gone on these last weeks that you'll bring them to memory father that you'll bring them back to so we can remember them keep them in our hearts father and that we can always remember and, and uh, glean from this and continue to learn and to grow in you. We ask that you will just bless this time in your word that you be glorified now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Well, as you know that um, <clears throat> this is an acrostic poem. And uh, everybody's pretty much... Uh, talked about that and the way that an acrostic poem this particular one is set up it has um, eight verses that correspond to a letter of the hebrew alphabet and um, terry was even like you know describing them and giving pictures and 
pronouncing them and everything. I, I can't do that, but he did it. It was pretty awesome. And so there's like uh, 22 groups of eight verses, and each uh, verse starts with that letter. And so, like um, Matt was saying, it's just amazing. I wish that I could read Hebrew and just be able to really grasp the beauty of how this whole, you know, um, poem was set and how it was, you know, taught and that sort of thing. It would just be wonderful to see that. But um, it's not the only one that's set up like this. There's nine alphabetized psalms. Um, throughout the book of Psalms. And uh, Proverbs 31, I think this is kind of cool, the uh, Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, that portrait of the virtuous wife, that is an acrostic poem also. And that's um, set up in this, this manner. And so um, it's, uh, it's kind of a cool thing to see that. Also, the book of Lamentations is alphabetized, the first four chapters of Lamentations. And um, chapter 3 of Lamentations is just like Psalm 119. It's uh, set up in uh, three verses, 22 groups of three, and it's alphabetized just the same as Psalm 119 is. And so um, there's, there's quite a bit of this in the Old Testament and, and, and that sort of thing. But, um, and it, it's interesting to see, um, you know, um, who wrote it. And so there's been some speculation here. People say that King David wrote it. Um, there's a lot of evidence to support that, and a lot of people are behind that. There's a ton of eggheads out there that think that. Um, Terry not being an egghead, but, you know, he thinks that, as does Kevin uh, McCarty and some other guys. And then um, uh, uh, Matt Camphouse threw a whole wrench into the works and thought that maybe you know, along with Warren Wiersbe, that maybe Jeremiah wrote it. And so I thought that was kind of cool. I liked that thought. And, and so as I was reading through this and, and looking at stuff, you can see some of that in there. And then with Lamentations and stuff, I'm thinking, hey, that's kind of cool. That might be, you know, you never know. And uh, so then I thought, well, maybe David Jeremiah wrote it. I mean, you know, he's got both <laughs> names, you know, he's old. You know, he could have been back there. I don't necessarily remember him when this was written, but, you know, uh, who knows? You know, he's even older than I am. And so, you know, uh, I don't know. But the cool thing about this is, is that when something like this happens, and this is with the book of Hebrews also, the way when the Holy Spirit sets this up, the Holy Spirit takes possession of it, and he says, I did it, I wrote it, and that way, he doesn't put a personality to it. And he does that on purpose so that we will take it in its entirety and the way that it is written. And we can't say, oh, well, he was going through this at the time, so this is why he said this. And, and we can't do that with this because we don't know for sure who wrote it. So we take it at face value. And that's the cool part about the book of Hebrews. You know, if it, if it was the Apostle Paul or Barnabas or whoever, we can then say, oh, well, this is why this is what's happening because, and we can describe things away and stuff. It's kind of why this is difficult to teach because when you're teaching something like this, this is a very straightforward, straight across scripture. And you look up something, and you say, okay, what does judgments mean here? You know, and you look it up and everything, and you go through all the hoopla to get to it, and it says, it means judgment. And it's like, wow. Well, cool, you know, that's great. You know, it's like you can't hardly even expound on this. You know, it says what it says. And that's the neat part of this. And so um, 
<clears throat> and, and everybody had talked about the different wording. There's a group of words that's used throughout this chapter that, um, um, <clears throat> that uh, you know, everybody pretty much said the same thing as to what they mean. It's like law, testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, judgments, word, and then way is used a lot as a synonym for all synonym. Synonym. I shouldn't say that again. But anyways, that's used as a term for all the different words that's of these other ones that's used. And so the, in the Schofield Bible, they, they give a shade of meaning to each one of these words, and that's what I'm going to key on as I look at, different ver- at these different verses, just one through this, and we'll work through this, and then eventually we'll work to the last eight verses, and we'll go through that, and, and then you will be able to run out of here and everything will be cool you will be fine and so um looking at um 119 verse 2 he says blessed are those who keep his testimonies who seek him with the whole heart testimonies god's own declarations concerning concerning his nature and purpose this is god's witness testimonies if you look it up it means Testimony, witness, it's a witness, that's what it is, and it's a witness of God. He is is witnessing to us, telling us His nature and purpose. And so He's like saying here, blessed are those who keep these, you know, God's natures and and purpose, and who seek Him with the whole heart. And and so what He's saying is is that we're blessed if if we strive to hold to those things that God says about Himself. You know, that, you know and, and, and he says that we seek this with our whole heart, not a piece, not a little bit, not kind of a halfway. There's no apathy in any of this. And this is the really cool thing about this whole psalm and the way that, that he words things and the way he sets it up. It's like an all or nothing kind of a mentality here. This is how he, he says that our mindset needs to be on God. And, and I... I uh, I read recently the book Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. If you want something to really mess up your mind, that's a good one to start with. I tell you what, man, it just like gets you all weirded out and stuff. And you start trying to figure out just, am I saved or, you know, it's like, man, I'm not even close to what this guy says, how we're supposed to be. That's the cool part of it. And that's what he's saying here. What he's encouraging us to do is to make it all. It's like we don't have to, we don't go halfway. We don't go little chunks. All sin and all kinds of stuff gets in the way and we, we go down, a, you know, the washboard road. We know what that's like and we get all jumbled up sometimes and stuff. But he's, he never leaves the word. He stays there. He doesn't depart from it. He stays tight and he uses these words like law and judgment and ordinance and and commands and statutes and these kinds of things. And he hangs on to these things and he says, I'm not moving. I'm not moving away from this stuff. This is where I'm going to stay. And no matter how bumpy things get, he stays along that line and he encourages us to do that. And he wants us to to hold to that, you know, and to be vigorous about it. And so when we see something like this, that he says that he's going to seek seek him with his with the whole heart. It's not a halfway thing. It's not something that I can just this day I'm okay, next day I'm not, and I'm kind of jumping around or halfway. He's like, no, that isn't the way it is. You know, let's go for it. 
Looking at verse 16. I will delight myself in your statutes and I will not forget your word. Statutes are like the religious and the civil appointments of the Mosaic law. So when we see statutes, he's talking about the Mosaic law here. And so he delights in the law of Moses. And then he goes on and says, I'm not going to forget your word. And the word is like the very utterances of God. And so he says he's going to hold to those very utterances of God. And he's going to hold to the Mosaic law. I find it interesting when he says that, you know, with the law and like judgments and ordinances and, and, and commands. These are like divine precepts and that kind of stuff. And, and God is a God of order and he lays out things and he likes rules and he, he gets us to, you know, wants us to fall into place and to follow rules. And we don't like rules and we like breaking rules. Rules were made to be broken. God is saying, I don't think so. You know, you know, and if you want to start breaking things up, then maybe I'll have to break you to get you back to where you're following the rules. So pay attention to what I'm saying. You know, he likes to get us in that line and, and to to move along that so that we are protected. It's not so that, you know, once I kind of break loose from the rules and I start making my own way, then I fall off the edge. And he's like keeping us on by keeping us in a path, you know, and and going um. The other day, we went down the hill to somewhere. Oh, I went down to Orange County. It was early in the morning. And so we're in the carpool lane, you know, and in Slory and I, and we're jamming down through there. And there's like, we're passing thousands of people, right? I mean, we're just driving down, and there are thousands of people sitting in their cars just watching me whiz by, you know. And, um, uh, and I told Lori, I said, I, I, I don't know why they're all sitting there. You know, why don't they all just come over here in this lane and go anyways? Because they're all law-abiding citizens and they're all just sitting there in line and I'm just jamming down through there because she's with me, you know? And she's like going, because it's the law. And there's a sign that says $341 right there. It says right there, you know, and everybody doesn't want to pay that. But we saw one policeman and that was because the motorcycle ran into the back of a pickup and he was over there checking them out. And that was the only policeman we saw. We're just like jamming, you know. And, and I was just like, why? Well, God is saying, follow the rules. What's that thing that Barney Five says? Rule number one, follow all rules. And so that's what he says, follow all rules. I don't know where that came from. I don't think that part was from God, but okay, we will move on. <laughs> Verse 24, your testaments are my delight and my counselors. And so now he's moving into that where he's talking about God's witness and, and his purpose, you know, and his declarations are his delight and they are also his counselors. And this is one of them spots where I looked up the word counsel and what do you think it means? It means counseling. And so he's saying that, that what... Um, <clears throat> His God's purpose becomes his purpose. And this is really a cool thought. And that's God says that he wants our delights to be his delights. He, he wants his delights to be ours. He wants us to walk, you know, in, in that to where, you know, our whole being and our thought and our manner and everything is his. And our delights and purposes and everything are his. And so, and he says that that becomes, you know, he delights in this. And so, you know, um, they're his delight, and, and that's what counsels him. That's what uh, his God's nature and purpose, his own declarations, 
is what uh, is his counseling, his advice, and his purpose. And the word means purpose. And so this is cool. And then as we go into, oh, and then there's verse 32, where he says, I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Commands, the authoritative orders used as religious principles. And so now we have this a group of religious principles that we move in, and, and God says, these are authoritative orders that I want you to move in. These are things that I want you to do, and they're of a religious nature to keep us in a place to where we're focused on Him, and there are commands that He has for us. Using God's commands as the principles of His religion. Man, this is a scary thought. Because man likes religion, and man likes making religion. And God says, you follow my commands when you're setting up your religion, and you go outside of that, and you're outside of me. And I won't have it. And so this is a cool thing to think about. Because when it comes down to cults and all this other kind of stuff, and, you know, guys waiting for the spaceship to come and all that kind of stuff, and laying on the purple sheet over your face and all that nonsense and all that stuff, waiting for the spaceship, you know, God's like, going, I didn't say nothing about no spaceship, and I didn't say nothing about purple cloth or the five bucks in your pocket or all that other nonsense. He goes, you guys should have been paying attention to what I told you. And the setup is, is his commands, and that's his demands. And it's for our help and our protection. And then he talks about enlarging of the heart. Now, this sounds like a serious, you know, disease or an illness or whatever. You know, when people say, yeah, I have an enlarged heart, and they go, ooh, that's terrible. You know, but this is a good thing because what he's saying is he was going to broaden and to make room and to make wide. So this means he, he's asking for, you know, that, that he's asking God to enlarge his heart to make it bigger. What a trip that is. You know, to actually, you know, to just kneel and say, God, make my heart bigger. I don't ever ask that. I've never done that before. I've never, like, sit down and said, you know, Lord, just, just, you know, I've asked for more compassion and stuff like that because, you know, I can be me. But, you know, he's like, you know, no, enlarge my heart. Make me more receptive to grow in you and to know you better. You know, I want my heart to be widened and opened more so I can get more of you in there. That's a cool thought. I like that. And then, and that's faith too. That's where faith comes in. That's, that's a whole, you know, thing there that... Um, uh, where we're just expanding and growing and taking that belief and making it real and putting action behind it and that sort of thing. <clears throat> In the next one, and I'm going to kind of go along with Terry on this here and, and try to pronounce this letter, the H-E is hey. That one's easy. I can do that one. Hey, that's what that one means. And verses 33 through 40, I'm going to read this. And, and um, Kevin Overdoon did the teaching on this, and it was wonderful. And if you, you can get in, get in and, and listen to I'm not going to preach this. He's already done that, and he did a wonderful job. Go in and listen to that if you haven't heard it on the podcast. And if you already have, go in and listen to it again because it's good. Um, go in and check this out because all I'm going to do is read through this and then just key on a few of the words on this because it's really, really cool. And especially since Jim sang that song, you know, you are the air I breathe. You think about that song as you read through this. Look at this. This is really cool. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes and keep it 
and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the paths of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. This is such an awesome awesome group of scripture commit this one to memory i never memorized nothing do no do this one if you never memorize nothing you'll show off big time you remember this and someone says you memorize scripture oh yeah teach me your ladies and people are like whoa that is awesome so you can like do that and they'll be all tripping and you can get away from them and they'll never know you don't know anything else but check this stuff out this is so cool teach me oh lord give me understanding Make me walk in the paths of your commands. Incline my heart. You know, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. If you don't want to memorize the whole thing, there's the one to memorize right there. You got a problem with pornography? Check that out right there. You got a problem with some other kind of thing? You're lusting after something? Is there something there that you just can't get out of your head? Check that out. And he says right after that, and revive me in your way. Get rid of the stuff that's messing you up and that's taking you away from the focus that he wants you to be on, which is him. And look at this. And then he says to be revived. If you have a problem with this kind of thing, then ask him to revive you and put you back. Enlarge your heart. Take these things and start making them yours. Go through here and look at other scriptures and see what it says. Make this personal. Make it yours. Grow in it so that you can change your life. Look at the changes that he's asking here. He says, you know, um, turn away my reproach. You know, behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. Look at the things that he's asking for. And then he says, and in response to it, I shall keep it to the end. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart, for I delight in it. You know, he says, you know, that he doesn't want to be covetous. You know, he wants to, who is devoted to fearing you. Devoted to fearing God. And then he goes down to revive me in your righteousness. That's a wonderful group of scripture. Tear it up. You know, listen to what Kevin has to say about it again. And then go in there and tear it up for yourself and see what he has to say about this. Because this is a life changer right here. You don't even need to read The Pursuit of God. Just read that right there. That'll change your life. That'll just mess you all up. You get you all twisted. Because God is going to take what you're into is already twisted. He's going to twist you back to where you belong and where you need to be. That sounds better than being all twisted. But anyway, verse 41, Let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. This is an interesting verse. <clears throat> because he's talking about salvation here, and we know that these guys weren't saved because Jesus had not died and rose, and we know that. And so, man, I'm going to be really short. Don't worry, though. I could talk pretty fast. In First uh, Peter, 
I want to read a chunk of scripture to you real quick. I feel like I'm doing speed preaching anyways. Um, <clears throat> i got to try to follow my notes a little bit because I'll get lost bad. Um, looking at verse, first Peter chapter one, looking at verse seven, check this out, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him yet believing you rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory. You haven't seen Jesus yet, but you have the joy and you know him. That's what he's saying. Now check this out. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You know, we know this. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. This guy here in 119 who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what and what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow to them. It was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things which angels desired to look into. He was setting us up with this talk of salvation because he knew it was coming and it was ours. And they didn't until Jesus died and rose. He went to hell and took them to heaven, you know. And so they were looking at something that was going to come. How exciting that is. And, and how when he says that he holds to these precepts, he's hanging on to these things, these testimonies. And he says, I believe it and I'm going to do your commands. And I'm going to hold to these things. He, it wasn't even the salvation wasn't even something that he was going to experience in his lifetime and not the same that we do because this Holy Spirit wasn't given at that time. So it's exciting to even think about, you know, the mindset that these guys had when they talk about things like salvation and that sort of thing. In verse 50, he says, this is my comfort and my affliction for your word has given me life. Comfort in his affliction. God's word, his utterances gives him comfort in affliction and it gives life, which then appoints again to that, excuse me, term of salvation. Looking down at verses 59 and 60, he says, excuse me, I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments says i thought about my ways and i turned my feet to though to that witness that witness that purpose that that you know declaration that god has he's turning his feet to that he's changing his path he's moving in a different direction he's not going to stay the same way he wants it to be different now and that's what he's desiring to do he's going to make a change here he's going to turn and he's going to go in a different direction now and and he's and you know he's thought about his ways and he's turning his ways to you know he's turning to another way and then he's going to quickly hold to God's commands and keep them make them his verse 71 it is good for me that i have been afflicted that i may learn your statutes this is a tough one you know it's good to be afflicted 
when he talks about being afflicted here, um, the reference here is, you know, um, in Hebrews 12, you know, when he talks about um, being chastened by a father. In Hebrews 12.10, he talks about being chastened as by a father. And so, you know, when he talks about that God is... Um, I skipped ahead, didn't I? 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. I may learn your statutes. I said that one, right? And, I, and that was the Mosaic Law. 75 is where I'm at. But I didn't read that one, did I? Yeah, see that? John, you're supposed to be paying attention to me here, buddy. Come on now. Anyway, 75. Let's move down to 75. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. And this is where I wanted to get to here because he talks about faithfulness, God's faithfulness in afflicting us. And this is a kind of a trippy one here. This is one of them ones where you're kind of like going, hmm, you know, God, the, you know there's a, pur- a purpose in what he's doing here. The reference here is in Hebrews chapter 12 where he's talking about a father chastening his son and that is what, you know, he's talking about here. And so, you know, and then he says that I know that your judgments are right. And so when he's talking about judgments, judgments and ordinances are kind of interchangeable in this. And so the legal pronouncements and the rules of divine administration and those kinds of things that God sets up, they're right. And this is that thing where you kind of get to like with with um, the thing with marriage between like a man and a woman. This is those things where, you know, as Christians, we become unbending on something like this and we can't change and move away from that because God established marriage. He's the one that set it up. We can't change it and move it around. We can't make it different. He's the one that set it up. He's the one that set it and Marriage between a man and a woman is a direct representation between Jesus and the church, and that can't be altered and changed. That is the representation that God has established. Of course, I'm preaching to the choir because you guys know this already, but as when he talks about, you know, um, judgments and ordinances and that kind of stuff, and there's, you know, divine administration towards certain thoughts and commands and different things that he says those things have to be held to. He's not doing things just to mess up our lives or to kind of make us, you know, weird or something like that. He's doing this for our protection and helping us to understand, you know, his heart and his thought. And then it moves back to his testimonies and his precepts and his statutes and the different things that he uses for our protection so that we will be safe and that's ultimately where he's got us and where he wants us to be at and he holds to and so this is where where he wants to be wants us to be at and they are right and that's his desire for us well i'm glad i cleaned that up huh when it was all everybody was lost especially me verse 82 my eyes fail from searching your word, saying, when will you comfort me? We've all been there. We all understand this. You may be in this spot right now. This may be something that you're working through right now. Maybe something's blown up on this very day. You know, maybe this is one of those things where you're like going, yeah, right. 
I'm having a hard time, you know, even believing in God right now because, you know, I look at this whole thing and it seems like I used to understand it. I used to read it, but it's gibberish to me now. I don't even get it, you know, and I don't find no comfort here, you know, and that kind of thing. You know, he goes on to talk about, you know, being like a wineskin, you know, which is all dried up and all kinds of stuff, you know, and stuff. And he says, yet I do not forget your statutes. And this is the key to this. This is what's important. He's holding on, and this is what would be the Mosaic law that he's going to hold on to. He knows that that is something that God set up for him, for his protection, so that he will be okay, and that the other is going to work its way out. It's going to happen. And he's said that as he holds on to that, that he knows he's going to be okay, and that ultimately salvation and life is at the end of this thing, and that's where we're going to end up at. And his encouragement is in that direction. And so he's like going, hang in there. He says he's not going to forget that Mosaic law. He's going to hold on to it no matter what. Verse 93, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Precepts relates to man's moral obligations as directed by God. This is an interesting word because this is one of those things that we ha- where they, we pretty much know we have moral obligations. There are things morally that we are obliged to do and they are directed by God. And so there's I can't make up my own rules. I can't when all of a sudden think that now that I'm in a particular position or I'm in a particular place, that now all of a sudden I'm going to do it my way or go along you know, my own thinking or create my own little thing here separate or I'm going to progress from this old tired book, you know, and you know, an old preacher's. I can't progress from an old preacher, but you know what I'm saying. Um, you know, he says that you're going to progress. I'm going to progress my thinking out there to where I can embrace things, you know, and that sort of thing. There's a famous uh, TV preacher who's now embracing homosexuality and gay marriage and and that sort of thing. He has a billion books out there and all this kind of stuff. Um, and so, you know, you, I can't, I, you know, if I'm worried about my popularity or something, that's just stupid because God is like going, I want you to follow what I say and, and hold to these things. You have a moral obligation and people need to see that. And that is a witness. And if his purposes and declarations become mine and I hold to his testimonies, then all of a sudden that's my witness And that becomes extremely important. If I put myself in that and I I promote myself, then what am I doing promoting myself, not the things of God? And he's going to shut me down if I start that kind of nonsense and he's not going to have it. So then, it's going to be tight. So then, verse 101. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. Yes. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. To hold to the utterances of God and to restrain from evil. This is a battle cry for the addict right here. Every, everybody that I know that got sober, the reason why they got sober is because 
Um, their addiction got in the way of their relationship with God. That's where it came down to, and they had to change and get away because the things you know, that they were using or whatever, you know, they had to put it away because there was, their relationship with God was more important, and that's where they needed to be. And so this is exactly the kind of cry that the, addiction, that the addict has here. He said, you know, to, to move away from those things that are, you know, that, you know, I have to restrain my feet from every way that I may keep your word, which is the utterances of God. And so I need to move away from those things that keep me from him. Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And we know that the word, you know, um, in the beginning was the word, the word was God and the word, you know, um, you know, the word was with God and the word was God. And then the word became flesh and that Jesus is the light of the world. And so the fact that His Word and the light and everything else, who's lighting our path, and that's Christ. And even from back in here, He's showing us that, that it's all about Him and it's about Christ, and that's where our focus needs to be. you know. And He's laying out this already as to where we need to walk and where we need to be. Verse 114, You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in Your Word. I like this one here because this is one of them ones where, you know, I like the thought of a hiding place and I like the part of, a, you know, the thought of a shield and, and that kind of thing, you know. <clears throat> I'll find it here where I was at. Yeah, you know, the hope, the word hope is to be patient and to trust. I have no patience whatsoever, zero. I have none. You know, and I pray about this all the time. I really do, you know, and I really would like to have that, but I don't, you know, and it flares up nasty sometimes, um, you know, and so that's one of them things where I have to restrain my feet from evil or, you know, that's that thing that I like to look at and all this kind of stuff. When it comes to patience and stuff, they are just like, you know, it just ain't there, you know, you can talk to Lori about that. And uh, it's horrible sometimes. And so I go up and down. But, you know, here lately I've been in the middle. It doesn't matter. But anyways, um, I like this where he talks about, you know, trust about a hiding place. Because you can only trust a hiding place and a shield. You can't force them to be effective. You know, a hiding place, you can't make it hide you. Oh, you can put all kinds of killer stuff up there and everything else. But and then same with a shield. What kind of a shield do you have depends on the weapons that your enemy has, and that's how it's going to be effective. And so you trust whatever it is that is there to protect and hide you. And if it's this, then we're in really, really good shape. And so this is our hiding place. This is our shield. This is where we need to be. And so. <clears throat> Um, verse 126, it's time for you to act, O Lord, for they have regarded your law as void. This was a, the cry back in the day, and it's our cry now. Same thing. You know, we're wanting God to move, and we're wanting him to act, and uh, we're praying that he is going to do that. Your test, in verse 129, your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. And so he's just saying that the witness of God of himself is wonderful. And that w word wonderful is a marvelous thing. 
So God's testimony is the witness of himself is marvelous. <clears throat> got a lot of papers. I'm going to have to get one of those pads like Pastor Z can flip around and stuff, you know. I've got the papers here. Old school. What can I say? You use a iPad? Do you? Yeah. I don't do that. I'm going to have to start. I'm going to have to get in line with everybody else. I'm, I'm a mess. Anyways, 142. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your law is truth. All of God's revelations for life is truth. His righteousness is everlasting. Jesus' righteousness becomes ours. Man, you, do you see how these things all fit together and they all point to Christ and they all build towards that and it's all about Jesus, all of it. And as you look at this stuff, you know, all of a sudden it just blows your mind. And then, then when you come in and you worship every single song that we sing, I was thinking, wow, all these songs relate to what I'm going to talk about. No, every single song all relates to Jesus because all the songs are about Jesus. And so this all thing, whole thing talks about Jesus. And so, whoa, you know, we're in church, remember? You know, and it was like, oh, yeah. Wow, it all fits. Yeah, because God's here. And so, you know, 145, I cry with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. You know, again, amazing how he cries out a whole heart. He's going to keep the law. Verse 160, the entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. All that God says and all of his rules of divine administration endure forever. And if you don't believe that, check out when Isaiah peeked into eternity. What a trip that was. He was like freaking. And then, you know, God puts everything, everything under Jesus' feet. Everything. And so now it all just, you know, really begins to just kind of come down. And so in 165, great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. When you got peace, you don't stumble. And that's the way it is. That's where it's at. You know, if you love his law, nothing's going to make you fall. That's the way it is. Because that's where you're at. And looking at verse 169 through 176, he says, Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips shall utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue shall speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. Let your hand become my help. For I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul, excuse me, live, and it shall praise you. And let your judgments help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. Excuse me. For I do not forget your commandments. This is such a cool thing because there's a tone shift here. He has been just pushing the whole time then there's no shift or change you know from from you know god's word but he begins to reveal his vulnerability now and he also wants to stand on the strength and the truth of god's word and so he knows where his help comes from he knows what that's all about 
you know. And so, you know, he, uh, he begins this by saying, let my cry come before you. And then it's give me understanding. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. And so he asks, and then he, he asks to be, you know, for an understanding, and then he's like, let my supplications or my prayers come, and then deliver me. And so he begins to lay out a scenario now of, of prayer and, and of a teaching and of an understanding and those kinds of things, so that all of the things of God that he's talked about and he's built up and he's put forth and stuff, now he begins to just say, just let me have this and bring it home you know he's like going my lips shall utter praise for you teach me those statutes and again the mosaic law my tongue is going to speak your word which are the utterances of god and for all your commandments those divine you know precepts and all that stuff you know are all righteous and so now he's like going, just, I just want to just let me, you know, cry to you. Give me understanding. Let me pray. Deliver me. I'm going to praise you. Teach me. And my tongue is just going to speak your word. And all of your commandments are righteous. He's just building up to this whole thing to where he has this whole thing now. And he's just like going, this is it. If you've been searching and looking and you don't know which way to turn and you don't know what to do and you don't know where to go and what's going to happen or whatever, this is the answer right here. You can come to a place where it all begins to fall into place and you gain an understanding. No matter what's going on, you can then come to a place where all your commandments are righteousness. And then he goes on in 173, Let your hand become my help, for I have chosen your precepts. And again, that word precepts. Relating to man's moral obligations as directed by God. And so he, now he's, he's moving back even into, I have chosen to be that moral, um, you know, those, hold to those moral obligations that you have established for me and you're directing for me to be. So he wants all of God. He wants his law. He wants his testimonies. He wants his precepts. He wants the judgments and the ordinances and the commandments. He wants it all. He wants all of that to dictate his life. Not little bits of it, not pieces of it, not the stuff that I pick and choose. And I don't want to go to some guy somewhere and have him, you know, gather us all in a group and say, okay, this is what we're going to do and you're going to do this, this, and this because I'm God, you know. And was like, uh, you know, no, that isn't it. That's, that's hollow, it's shallow, there's nothing to that. You know, there, there's nothing there that, that this is where it's at. You know, because he's all pointing, every bit of this points to Christ. And that's ultimately where we're going to go because now that Jesus has died and rose, we have this and he lives in us if we've asked him to be Lord and Savior. If you haven't asked him to be Lord, he has died for your sins. But if, he ha- if you haven't received that, then he is not Lord and this then is impossible. There is absolutely no way that you can do this now in, under the, in the guidance of the Holy Spirit then this is yours and it's real. And you have the forgiveness of sin. 
He did not have the ability to enter boldly into the throne room of grace, but we do. I mean, it's, it's incredible to even think about. What this guy was experiencing as he held the law and held these things, he could only dream of what it was like for us to have that kind of a relationship that we have with Christ right now. He just pointed the way. But this is, none, this is more true for us than it even was for him because this is real now. I mean, it was real then, but I mean, it's real to us because we live it and it's ours forever. Receive him as Lord and Savior. He says, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Do you remember when it talks about the law being the shadow in Hebrews? You know, the shadow of Christ. We can boldly enter into the throne room and embrace the one that's making the shadow that he talks about here. It's a trip to even think about. <clears throat> so then, let my soul live and it shall praise you and let your judgments help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. So we started this whole psalm in verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. And he ends, ends this by, for I do not forget your commandments. Wow, awesome is that. It's yours. If you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, don't leave here without doing that. There will be people up here to pray with you. Don't don't leave here without that, you know, because this is this is where it's all. This is where it's at. This is the reality, and it's because Jesus died and rose, this reality is now for us. It's not something fleeting. It's not way out there. This is ours. Let's pray. Oh gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we just glorify you. We honor and praise you, Lord, and we, we're in awe of how much you love us. Lord, we praise you for all the teaching that's gone on these past weeks and, and just the move of your spirit and us getting to see that. And all of these that come out to, to hear your word and then those that, are on the, that listen to the podcast also, Lord. We pray that you'll just continue to move by your spirit, that you'll just um, touch and bless and that you'll be glorified in each and every word. And as we continue to learn and to grow and to desire you and your word, that you will move and touch in a mighty way. Please minister and touch and move here and, and continue to just bless, Father. We thank you for your word. And if there's anyone in here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, please, Father, don't let them leave this place without that. Or if there's those that, that need just to, to come back again to you, we pray you will move and touch and bring them to that place to do that. Lord, we glorify you, we honor you, and we love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so there's prayer teams up here if you guys you know, need to, uh, to pray with.